You're listening to episode number 391 of Treks in Sci-Fi for July 1st, 2012. desolate planet. He is a soldier. Alone with his enemy. Also, don't you understand English, Toadface? I don't love you and you don't love me. We're stranded here, you understand? His suspicion will change. To tolerance. You saved my life. Why? I need to look at another face, even as ugly as yours. Tolerance will lead to friendship. We should open up a little place here. I could ruin the food. You could scare away the customers. <laughs> and with that friendship will come an overwhelming responsibility. You must be a baron. Don't get around, Jerry. You must take my place. Protecting a life he values more than his own. Quaid, Louis Gossett Jr., Wolfgang Peterson's Enemy Mine. Well, hello, everybody. I'm Rick Moyer. And I'm Chris Clementi. And we're back. <laughs> That's right. We had so much fun monkeying around last time. But I'm bum that uh we're back. we're we're back for more for and you guys all get some more punishment because we're back together and we're going to have a great time today talking about yes you heard it on the promo the the amazing movie yeah well i think it was amazing movie enemy mind enemy mind yeah cool i'm like which what movie are we covering no <laughs> enemy mind which which is uh which is a classic movie when it comes to science fiction. And that's, of course, what we cover here on Treks and Sci-Fi. Rico, thank you for allowing us to sit in the driver's seat for this uh, week again. And uh, we're we going to have a great time talking about this movie. It's, You know, I just recently watched it again. I know you ordered uh, the DVD, Chris, and, mm-hmm. and you watched it as well uh, so we could refresh our memories. But as we were talking before we started recording, when we were kids, I, I don't know how, what's the year on this movie? Do you remember what year it was made? In 85, I think. I'm, so when, you were younger than, you're younger than I am. So I watched it a bunch and I would say that I wasn't, I mean, I was just, you know, just graduating from high school, but I watched it a ton, a, a ton. And mm-hmm. especially when it was available on like, you know, HBO and different things like that where you could actually, you know, because back then, if you wanted to go buy a VHS movie of a popular movie that had just come out, they were like 70 bucks. Yeah, I, I remember we had maybe 
four VHSs that we owned that were real, actually real movies. Star Wars. Yeah. Maybe maybe Raiders. But yeah, they were like $90, something like that. Yeah, they weren't cheap. And so I would have to drag my mother to the, you know, or father to the uh, video rental store. And they didn't have a great selection, but this was one of the ones that I used to pick. And my mom would go, oh, God, that stupid movie, you know. <laughs> Again, that, this and Wrath of Khan were probably my top two rentals, I think. I rented these two movies constantly when I was about uh, 11, I guess. Uh, I would have been around 11 or so. Did you rent The Last Starfighter a lot, too? Oh, of course. Of yeah. course. I mean, that that had the coolest, you know, oh. they, that post that was actually a poster that was up in the... Uh, in the in the video store forever. I remember that poster just being there. I think even when it closed, I think that poster was still somewhere in there. They had like tons of movie posters on the wall. That was just a cool poster. Oh, and was. this was a cool poster too. Oh, Enemy Mine was an awesome poster. Okay, so let's talk a little bit. We're gonna today. Our 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 goal is to play some clips, um, give the synopsis of the of the story, and then talk about what we loved about it. And then there's some behind the scenes stuff that uh, I found very fascinating as I read through. Um, a lot of the notes. And by the way, everybody, Chris is is the man because he did all the research. I've been so busy with work lately, which is a good thing, um, that I haven't had time to do hardly anything. And so he he rescued me yet once again, like he did on the Apes podcast. And you did all this research, and it's great research. I was loving it as I was reading all about it because, like I say, I just watched the movie just you know yesterday, and I finished it up this morning. So it's very fresh in my mind. It was great to read all about it and. Uh, when we get to the behind the scenes stuff, I have a lot of comments about that as well. So, so yeah, this isn't uh, unfortunately there. There's not as much out there about this as the uh, Planet of the Apes, but there's some interesting things about it. Absolutely. Well, they didn't have what five sequels to it either. Yeah, that's true, and there's not like an obsessed fan base. Yeah. As Enemy Mind, the Next Generation. <laughs> I'd go see that. Yeah, so would I. The, the Attack of Drac, <laughs> or Count Drac, you law. Oh, sorry. I just I'm gonna do all sorts of Drac jokes now. So why don't you why don't you give us um, the the lowdown here on uh, who it started and all that jazz, and then we'll jump right into the to the story summary. Right on. Okay, Enemy Mine. This is a movie from 1985. That's uh, almost 30 years ago. Hard to believe. Oh my goodness. I know. I'm old. And it's depressing, is what it is. Jeez. Um. <laughs> the 80s was so better. Sorry. Uh, let's, and this one was directed by Wolfgang Peterson. Then Wolfgang Peterson has directed some really, really cool movies. Das Boot, which is an awesome submarine. submarine. Yeah. Air Force One, The Never Ending Story, and The Line of Fire. Wow. He's done some really great movies. He, uh, and uh, Dennis Quaid is the star as uh, Willis Davidge. Uh, one and he also did one of my favorite movies from the '80s too, back in, uh, right around this time, which was Inner Space, which is a cool, oh, funny movie, kind of sci-fi. It is. Uh, Louis Gossett Jr. plays Jeriba Jerry Shigan, and uh, love Lou Gossett. Loved him in Iron Eagle when I was a kid. Officer and a gentleman. Oh, great, um, great guy. Yeah, 
Brian James as Stubbs, uh, a slaver, and you reckon he's he's one of these guys. You'd be like, hmm, Brian James. Who the heck is that? You recognize him if you saw him. He yeah. was in Blade Runner. He played Leon. He has like kind of buggy eyes and a yeah. mustache, and he usually has a mustache. He was in also The Fifth Element. Yeah. Uh, he also showed up in Galactic in 1980, I think. Yeah, one point, yeah, one of yeah, his yeah. first things. Yeah. He's pretty recognizable. He passed away, I think, about. Ten years ago or so, but yeah. I thought didn't he have a little bit part on Buck Rogers the, in the 25th century too? I think so. I think yeah. he showed up in a lot of stuff back then. He was just a like, nice villain. And um, there's also an actress who was a friend of uh, Davidge's called Carolyn McCormick, and she played this character Morse. Uh, what's interesting about her, and I kind of wrote this in the side, is that uh, of of a couple of Star Trek connections, she was uh, on the Next Generation two episodes. She played Minuet, who was yeah uh, Riker's uh, holodeck holod- wife. Yeah, yeah. In, two, in the in the that one one zero zero one. Oh yeah, yeah. She was a dance partner there. And Future Imperfect, where. The Romulans capture Riker, and they go, here's your wife. And he's like, hey, wait a minute. Wait a minute. She wasn't real. Min? Yes, I remember. I, yeah, she was a great character. That actually, on, on TNGs, one of my favorite episodes was um, the one where the the little binaries <laughs> were talking back and forth in binary language, and and uh, and they showed the star base and everything. That was that was a cool episode. Yeah, that was a cool episode. <clears throat> and like uh, then there was Bumper Robinson. He played Zamis. And uh, another Star Trek connection, he was on an episode of Deep Space Nine. He played a Jem'Hadar teenager in an episode called The Abandoned. <gasps> I, I didn't know that. I don't remember that episode specifically. Huh. And he's also done a ton of voice work. I think he's been on every Batman animated show. So, you know. Yeah. These guys actually had. I looked up some of these guys, and they actually had pretty pretty diverse careers. A lot of them did a ton of stuff, especially Dennis Quaid, who you know has been oh, in a yeah. billion things. He's so. a great actor, and I enjoy his stuff. But uh, in this particular movie, you know, it could have been. Now, I I actually liked the movie. I know some people didn't like it so much, but I thought it was a great movie, and it could have it borderlined. I mean, it was one of those movies that could have been really bad. Hmm. You know, but but like you were saying, they had really quality actors in it, and yeah. uh, and the story itself was pretty cool too. Um, but it could have it, it borderlined. It could have been really bad. Yeah, there's a few things that kind of, you know, it gets a little little hairy. Yeah, there there are some corny parts, and yeah. and we'll talk about that. But uh, why don't we do this? Why don't we play our first clip from the movie? And then okay. we'll come back and we'll talk. Uh, we'll give this a little bit of what was going on in the clip. Okay. All right. By late in the 21st century, the nations of the Earth were finally at peace, working together to explore and colonize the distant reaches of space. Unfortunately, we weren't alone out there. A race of non-human aliens called the Drax were claiming squatters' rights to some of the richest star systems in the galaxy. Well, they weren't going to get it without a fight. Space was the new battleground. For many of us, Earth became a precious memory, light years away. Our only home was a fortress in space. As in any war, 
There were long periods with nothing to do but wait. And then... Okay, so there's our first clip. Very, very interesting way to start the movie. Um, and especially the special effects in this movie yeah. when it first started. For for 1985? Pretty cool. Pretty darn cool. Yeah, I like the, uh, the the dead body floating there. Oh my gosh, it was amazing. And uh, the ship, the ship combat is is really uh, very well done. I mean, certainly, I'm sure they they take a, a note from Star Wars and, oh, yeah. and, and in it. But I mean, pretty cool. I forgot. I actually was watching. I was like, hey, that's this is pretty neat. Yeah, not so bad. Well, and I I played it on my Apple TV. I just recently got that for Father's Day, and it uh, it was in HD, and I had not seen it in HD. And wow. and they uh, when it was playing, it was almost because of the setting it was on. It was almost surreal looking it was i was just like oh my gosh i didn't realize how good they did i mean it it could be really cheesy but they they did it pretty good i was surprised yeah so yeah it's it's a it's neat it's definitely uh for the time it's very action-packed and uh and and the the ships move move really cool and it's like a it's kind of fast-paced yeah i thought it was really really cool sorry but i might have my email on in the background because I'm working on a project that I have to see. So if you hear the ding, it's not your computer. It's mine. <laughs> it's my computer. So in the late 21st century, a war between the humans, uh, the BTA, Bilateral Terran Alliance, and a reptilian race called the Drax is fiercely underway. Willis Davidge and his squadron launch from a space station and engage multiple Drac fighters in combat. They're quickly outnumbered. After one of his friends is shot down, he pursues the Drac, who shot her down. He damages the fighter, but in the pursuit, he collides with the Drac ship after its pilot ejects. Uh, um, I always say his name wrong. I want to say Davidge, but it's Davidge crash lands, and his co-pilot, Joey, is killed. And I think it's funny that they called him Joey because he looks like a Joey. You know what he was though? He was on. He was James from that show, James at sixteen in the seventies. I thought I so know. because he looked really familiar. Yep. Very interesting. Well, anyway, Davidge spots <laughs> smoke uh, from the Drac wreckage and decides to try and find the pilot and finish what he started. Dun 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 dun. <laughs> and after a long trek across the alien terrain, which by the way looked awesome, very cool, he finds the destroyed fighter. Not far from the crash site, he hears a, uh, or sees a small lake where the Drax ejection pod landed. And he sees his enemy for the very first time. And uh, the Drac is taking a little swim. <laughs> then, in something that I thought was pretty remarkable, uh, the weather started getting rough and the tiny ship was tossed. If it wasn't for the... Oh, I'm sorry. That's a different, completely different thing. <coughs> That's yep. right. Well, anyway, what are, some cool special effects happen, and a big storm happens. And during the storm, he ignites the fuel that's been leaking from the wreckage into the pond, and he tries to kill the drac who is swimming in it. As he attempts to recover the drac weapon from the i or from the iPod <laughs> from the pod, he's nearly electrocuted. He's now a prisoner. And oh my gosh, wasn't that just an amazing? Uh, an amazing scene. You, you get to see the makeup of the of the alien. You get to yeah. see the cool alien landscape. You get to see all these awesome special effects and the fire when they light the 
when yeah. he when he lights the pond on fire. Wow. Yeah, again, like I I don't think I'd seen this since VHS, and I was like I was like this movie is a, really looks very good, and and for the time I keep saying that, but I mean I don't know. Well, Just, uh, when you put it up against other movies at the time, this was yeah. really pretty. They did a pretty good job. I think so. Yeah. Okay, so we won't, uh, is there anything else you want to say about that particular part of the of the movie before we? I just I, I I remember as a kid, man, that part. He, it was like he they really uh, filmed it to make uh, the the drag character very scary at the at that point. And I remember as a kid, the first time I saw it, it was kind of creepy. So, yeah. yeah that guy's... Well, and and you know the other thing too about his makeup is when you when you first saw him. I mean, he he moved alien. It wasn't just wasn't just the the makeup and the suit that he was wearing. Which, by the way, looked pretty darn good. Um, it was the movements that he made that were very lizard-like, and yeah, he's crouched over, sort of, and like his head movements are very quick and lizard-like. And yeah. when the storm is happening, and he's jerking his head around, yeah, very good, like an iguana or something. Yeah, but, yeah, but uh, yeah, you didn't want to mess with that that uh, alien, but of course he does mess with him, and then he didn't have any idea that that the uh, the little pod that the escape pod had uh, an alarm system on it <laughs> and he got a little taser going on couldn't yeah. let go. he couldn't let go <laughs> and so that so craziness ensued but uh, he's he's taken prisoner so now our next clip is going to take us to something very interesting that happens as a regular thing on this planet hey drac i'm hungry hungry you understand that? Hungry, huh? Oh. Hey, you understand any English toad face? Cassandra. Stick it. Cos Brasso. Driva Sigran. So your name's Jerry Sheegan. So what? What? You want to know my name? Willis E. Davidge. How about some food? Some food? Give me some food! (laughs) (laughs) I thought it was really interesting how they did the... Well, had had him talk like the alien and... You know, it was pretty darn good. He he pulled it off. Again, it could have been really cheesy. Yep. And he did a great job with it. In fact, I remember trying to mimic that voice. Yeah. I, I didn't do it. Well. It's kind of hard. I don't think I can do it for long periods of time. <laughs> yeah, it hurt my throat, I think. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. You're, you do that well. Yeah. 30 years of practice. Yeah, there you go. I, I can't even do that one, so that's crazy. I'll let you I'll let you describe this then. Okay, so uh, the Drax got Davidge tied up, and <clears throat> he's sitting there, and all of a sudden, a meteor shower starts. 
So him and the drag kind of run away, and he's tied up, and they lie down in a cave. And uh, I think Davidge probably curses him out a little bit. I can't quite remember. But yeah. while the, they, they kind of stay there for a while, and the drag falls asleep. And then uh, while the drag falls asleep, Davidge escapes to eat some of these uh, rations, which are like these balls. Oh, this green, green balls. Yeah. Well, what, and, what was interesting is he had a he had a he had an opportunity to kill the drac. That's right. Put the knife up but, to his throat, but he didn't do it. Yeah, the drac confronts him, and we learn that his name is Jariba Shigan. <laughs> and uh, Davidge tells him that you know he could have killed him, but uh, they need to work together to find somewhere to be safe. Otherwise, they're both gonna uh, 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 die. Yeah. As he's, <laughs> He's yeah. trying to pantomime to him, and and uh, apparently the drag knew enough English to. It's a it's a pretty funny scene. Uh, Human. Dav- yeah, Davidge is carrying everything. <laughs> oh no, he called him Earthman. Earthman. Earthman, or whatever. Yeah. I was doing the so Ferengi thing. Yeah. Sorry. They move camp, and Davidge uh, carries all the supplies, and Jerry's following him. <laughs> and I just love it because he's got so much crap on his back. It's just hilarious. It is awesome. So they so they find a place and they they decide to, they decide to start building a shelter and he's building it out of these rocks that he's find him <laughs> and uh, and and then he comes over and after he's finished and uh, and then Jerry tells him it's sheet <laughs> no solid <coughs> and then he goes over Davidge goes over and kicks it of course it falls down yeah and. Uh, they find out that way that the, the Jerry has a pretty good sense of humor, and he laughs. He laughs at the uh, building falling down, and uh, and uh, we have another clip where uh, there's coming up a couple of them where uh, he's learning English, and and Davidge is just annoyed with him, and uh, they also get into a little bit of a fight afterwards. But uh, this is a clip where Jerry learns about the wisdom of great Earthman teacher Mickey Mouse. Food, uh, hide. Food. This is my left foot. This is my right foot. And this, I'm both my feet. Yeah, great. Yeah, great. This is my head. That is your ugly head. No, no. This. It's my head. That's it's you head. You ugly head. Ha ha. That is Dowitch ugly head. All right, that's enough. Now you keep that up and you can learn English all by yourself because I'm not going to be your teacher anymore. So we. Dawitch. That's better. You know, while you're having such a good time and doing nothing, I am trying to think of ways to improve our situation. Okay. You know the old saying. If at first you don't succeed, try, try again. Dawitch. You learned this from great drag teacher Chisma. No, from Mickey Mouse. Who? Mickey Mouse. Mickey Mouse is this great Eggman teacher. Yeah. 
sort of. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, I love that. So, so funny. All right, we're going to quickly play another uh, clip, but uh, we'll I'll let you set this up. It's just, it's uh, they get into an argument, and it gets it's kind of a childish argument, as a couple of them are between them, and uh, they argue about who's better, uh, uh, Chisma or Mickey Mouse, and there's a there's a couple of cuss words in this. Nothing bad, but so just yeah. a li- just a little warning. So it's not as family friendly as as normal here on Trex and Sci-Fi, but it'll be okay. So brace yourself. Mmm, delish. Have one. Don't forget to help me acquire the taste. Besides, I'm going to improve the menu. Soon we picked up one side or other side. What with the war going on? We got more chance of catching a Greyhound bus. Humans. Easy, you give up. Shismar teaches us intelligent life takes a star. <laughs> Where'd you get that crap? Out of that little book you're always reading? I'm the one that's taking a stand. Remember, I wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for you sons of shit, Matt. Shismar. Yeah, whatever. This war begun by you, by humans. You know something, Jerry? Your great schisma eats shit. Rockman, your Mickey Mouse is one big stupid dope. Oh, that's so funny. Oh, my goodness. I remember um, watching this for the first time and... and uh, just sitting there stunned because you know when it first starts you don't think there's going to be any humor in it really at all no not really it doesn't seem like it's going to be a funny movie at all no because there's a it's so tragic everything is so tragic and then of course as it goes on just as life is there's tragic moments and then there's funny moments and they really captured some really great humor there between them and just hilarious the writers did a, <laughs> did a great job on it oh Mickey Mouse <laughs> <laughs> it was great. So, anything else on that particular part of it before we head to the next part? Well, we can head on. I mean, there, there's a you know, there's a million things we could talk about. There really, I mean, I, I think that the this whole part of the movie where it's them kind of getting to know each other, I really enjoy. I could listen to all of that. I, I really enjoy all of that. I like the <clears throat> the chemistry between the two, mm-hmm. and I think uh, I, I, I it's it's a fun. It's a fun part, but we, we can go on to the next little All right. part here. Well, da- Davidge learns to hunt the turtle-like creatures that inhabit the planet, but also comes face-to-face with the tentacle monster that hides in the pit. Oh, man, that was so, you know, how many times have we seen that particular, you know, type of monster in movies, you know? Sarlacc, you know? Yeah, it's like, yeah, anyway. It grabs his leg and nearly pulls him in, but Jerry saves his life. Jerry informs him that the creature is even more ugly than him. (laughs) They discover that the shells of the turtle creatures are meteor-proof. 
and use them to build their shelter. Yeah, those little Roomba, the little Roomba turtles. <laughs> That's what they look like too. <laughs> so they grow closer, and Jerry decides to teach um, Davidge the the Drac language. Uh, so he gives him his Talmud, which is the Drac Bible, a small little book that hangs around his neck. And this is an interesting uh, an interesting change in the in the movie as far as um, you know them getting along and everything, and it really really solidifies their relationship with each other. So let's play that yeah. that clip. In the meantime, I studied its language and read its Talmud. Yesli Raz Telo Raz Vatram Tatelo. Bulvo da Lubo. Translate. If one receives evil from another, let one not do evil in return. Rather, let him extend love to the enemy, that love might unite them. I've heard all this before in the human Talmud. Of course you have. Truth is truth. But what you have not yet learned is the way we tracks express the truth. The words of Shisma. So, uh, you know, they're going about that. And then Davidge he wakes up, he gets woken up, he hears a noise, he thinks it's a star cruiser landing, but he runs outside, he doesn't see anything, so he thinks he's kind of going bonkers. He's nuts, man. He's been on the, on the planet too long. Yeah. So they, in, during one of their outings, reading the Talmud, a meteor shower starts. Uh, and Jerry, he can't catch up, and Davidge has to save him, and, which leads Davidge to start yelling at him. And uh, then they get into a little bit of a, a tiff and a, a physical fight and start and Davidge just choking Jerry. But <laughs> a, they have and, some major uh, anger tells, issues. Yeah, he tells Jerry, I think I'm going crazy. And uh, he decides he can't sit around and wait. You know, he can't just sit there and he, he wants to go up and, 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 and see if he can find this ship that he, he keeps hearing. Um, so he leaves Jerry and tells him behind and says, hey, listen, I'll tell him where you are. Uh, but Jerry's very, very upset when Davidge leaves. And so he walks across a cool landscape again, mm-hmm. and he finds the remnants of, of humans, like a human ship, and he finds a drac skull in the uh, in the trash, and he realizes that it, what he's been hearing is a scavenger ship who are outlaw miners, and they hunt dracs for slaves. Oh, nice twist in the movie. That's right. And the, and he says in the movie that, you know, you know, yeah, we knew they were slaves, but, you know, we put up with them, slavers, but we put up with them because, hey, they're, they're killing Drax or getting jacked, Drax, so who cares? Right. You know, but uh, now that it's uh, sort of he's got a friend, he thinks differently of it, which is a, a nice little twist. So he runs back uh, to Jerry, and it's the middle of winter now all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, <laughs> somehow between yeah. when he left and came back, yeah, I love it. And Jerry just kind of like, hey, uh, nice to see you. <laughs> you know? right. But he he does tell him, you know, I'm not lazy and I'm not fat. And this next clip, 
will tell you what has been going on with Jerry. All right, here we go. I could not go with you. It is no longer my life that matters. I am not fat. I am not lazy. find out that Drax reproduce asexually with no control over the timing of conception. <laughs> Yikes. I'm glad we don't have the same thing that happens here. Huh? That's a, that's another funny scene. You know? oh. <laughs> <laughs> don't look at me. <laughs> I love that. While staying in their shelter from the worsening winter, uh, they're attacked from below by the tentacle creature. The creature destroys their shelter and they find a cave to stay in. And after some time, it's time for Jerry's baby to, to be born. So there's a problem. And Jerry knows he won't survive the birth. Now everything kind of starts to change. He tells Davidge that he must take his place as Azami's, the or the baby, uh, as Zami's parent. And then he must take him to Dracon, the Drac homeworld. Is it Dracon? Or Dracon. It's, some, it's something like that. Yeah, yeah. whatever. They had their, their... Yeah, okay. So, uh, and he recite, and he has to recite the full ancestry so he can join the Drac Society. And then, of course, in the... Um, actually, kind of a sad t- moment in the movie, Yeah, Jerry dies. But Samus yeah. is born. And uh, here's a little thing to, to uh, talk about that. <laughs> Well, Jerry, what am I supposed to do now, huh? You, you taught me all about the Talman, the line of Jeriba. You didn't say nothing about taking care of baby tracks. So long, Jerry. Yeah, I don't envy him. I've had four kids and not fun, especially with a little lizard baby. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine. So Davidge raises the child Zamis as his own, and uh, 
<laughs> trying to feed the little baby and chewing the food and it's uh, it's really cool. And over the years, uh, David Davidge. See now you got me doing it. Sorry, Davidge. well that's all right. I said Zamis, so that's all right. Zamis. D- Davidge and Zamis form a very close bond. And although the young Drac refers to Davidge as its uncle, the emotional range towards Davidge is as a son will look up to a father, an emotion that Davidge shares as well. And it's uh, there, there's a, there's a, uh, some touching moments between the two of them. And in this clip, uh, is one of them. I'm going to start calling you Beanstalk. You outgrow your clothes faster than I can even catch them. Don't spread your fingers. Fingers? Yeah, yeah, these. Fingers. Keta. Fingers. Not the same. Of course they're not the same. You're a drag. I'm a human. Look, look, uh, look. Now you have three fingers. One, two, three. Now I have five fingers. One, two, three, four, five. Sammy's get four, five? No. You're a drag. And I'm a human. Human? Yeah, um, human is me. Drac is you. Now, I'm a human because my parents were a human. And your parent was a Drac. So you are a Drac. Got it? I'm a Drac. Yeah. Yeah, great. So, Davidge discovers that the scavengers have returned to the planet in search of minerals and ore deposits. And he knows that they have little regard for Drac life, so he remains on guard to keep Zamis from getting captured because he cares about this little guy. Yeah. Zamis doesn't realize the danger, and even though he's been told not to do this, he goes off to get a closer look at the scavenger ship. Well, he's quickly discovered by the scavenger captain Stubbs, uh, Brian James, and we talked about it, and his brother Johnny, or his brother Johnny. Davidge, who has been uh, following, attacks the brothers in a bid to save Zamis, but is violently gunned down and basically left for dead. Yeah. A BTA patrol ship finds Davidge, unrecognizable and apparently dead, and it returns him to the space station where he was formerly based. And uh, this was this was pretty crazy. It was kind of a, a, a haunting scene, but... Uh... Hey, Johnny, look here. Fine little woggy if I ever saw one. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Looks a bit stringy to me, though. <laughs> no! He's just fine. <laughs> a born worker. <laughs> ah, energetic little bugger. <laughs> Come on. Run about. Run about. That's <laughs> me. How do you suppose it got here? Ah, let's have a look. See if his daddy's around. <laughs> 
So he's on the space station, and they're having the funeral ceremony, uh, which is just them kind of shooting these boxes out. I thought it was hilarious, though, that whatever the religious persuasion of the person is they had like a button they pushed and then it yeah. did it did whatever that was accordingly and they're like like the you know the one one guy gets the you know the Christian burial the next guy was an agnostic so no music <laughs> I was like oh my gosh <laughs> that's right <laughs> it's like oh my gosh it's like you know McDonald's so, yeah. you know you pick pick and choose the different things as the person's going down the conveyor belt <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's very personal <laughs> yeah. So Davidge, he wakes up because one of the guys, the, the, the disposal technicians, I guess, they try to steal his talman, which is around his neck, and he kind of grabs the guy's arm. Correct. Guy. And that was, that was pretty cool, too, uh, because, you know, we didn't know that he was actually alive, which, I mean, the first time we watched it, of course, we did later. But... He was found on the fourth planet of the firing system where he just might have been working for the other side. Are you crazy? That's Will Davidge in there. I don't know how long I lay there before the surveillance team picked me up. They thought I was dead. Well, the medics have had time to nail me back together. Now I've got to go back. Will! Hold it. I told you I'm going back, with or without your help. No way. I'm sorry. Now, we put our asses on the line for you. You owe us for that, at least. I can't let you go, Will. So sometime later, Davidge is reinstated to duty, but not as a pilot. Uh, BTA Command has deemed him unqualified to pilot a ship until they determine successfully whether he's been brainwashed by the Drax or not. Unable to enlist assistance to rescue Zamis from the scavengers, Davidge desperately steals a spaceship to recover Zamis all on his own. Yeah, that's pretty cool when he blows the the door out. Isn't that it's funny? Crazy. Because that's probably the biggest part that I remember of thinking, oh my gosh, what's he doing? No, 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 no. And then he blows up the the door off of the side of this, you know, the space station and takes off. And it's like, ooh, that's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. So he manages to find and infiltrate Stubbs' ship. He gets to the planet, and by the way, with a really cool sequence there of him um, flying to the to the planet again, uh, Davidge contacts the Drax slaves in their own language, which convinces them to help him overcome the brutality of the human overseers and eventually reunite with Zamis. Towards the end of the battle, Davidge is also assisted by a BTA crew who pursued him. They finally realize that whatever it was that he was ex- uh, that he experienced while missing in action has made him more human, and he no longer hates Drax. That's interesting. Zamis, Zamis. It's me. Wake up. Thomas, wake up. Wake up. It's Uncle. Who's it? It's Uncle. Huh? Sammy's. Get four, five. 
terrible. I do. I really do. So do you, you little tadpole. I told you I'd never forget you, huh? So, Davidge and Zamis, they returned to Dracon for Zamis's induction ceremony with the Drac Holy Council. Um, as required, and as he promised Jerry, Davidge recounts the complete Jeriba ancestry before the Holy Council in the traditional ritual, as he was taught by Jerry. Which was kind of cool. And so Davidge brought Zamis and the Dracs home. He fulfilled his vow and recited the line of Zamus' forefathers before the Holy Council on Dracul. Zamis brought its own child before the Holy Council. The name of Willis Davidge was added to the line of Jeriba. Yeah. And again, special effects for this part were pretty awesome. Yeah, I, 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 yeah. I mean, it's it's really it is an alien planet. It is, and and but the, the, what I was thinking was interesting because we're so used to it now in movies, where you see these big, huge crowds. That that was 1985, and they they made a huge crowd. I'm and, sure it's a. I think it's a matte painting. Oh, I'm I sure, mean, but they did a great job on it. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, like it's a, it's a nice looking movie. It is, and and I I thought too. You know, before we go on to the behind the scenes and stuff, um, I thought that they did a great job with the music too. And I, I can't remember who did you you told me who did the music. Mo- Maurice Jar. Well, it was amazing. They did a great job with it. I thought it was really, really well scored, and especially at the end, because that yeah. that particular theme song, um, on the on the planet and everything, just was really quite epic, and it, it gave you, I don't know, you went out of the theater. I felt you went out cheering. Yeah. You know, and you felt good about overcoming diversity. I mean, really the lessons in the movie are pretty much, you know, things that you know, we're trying to teach society, you know, and that is, you know, overcome your bias and your hate. We shouldn't be killing each other and you know, we should, you know, there's there's little bits and pieces of things that we can agree on and we should concentrate on those, you know. And uh and that violence never really solves anything. And that there are the other things that I saw in the movie were um, that there's creeps in the world uh, that will take advantage of uh, people for their own gain, and there's heroes in the world that will stand up and save them. So it was uh, it was just a really, really heartwarming and touching, cool sci-fi show. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's one that I remember, 
remember as you know, I always remember it fondly. So, well, you know what I thought was interesting. You know, they say flattery is the best form of what do they call it? Um, Imitation is the there you go. That's most sincere form of flattery. Right, and and if you think about it, how many times has this particular plot of this movie been used over and over? A billion. Well, even even before this movie, it was. Uh, I, I I know there was at least one or two movies I can't remember that kind of used a similar premise, which is like a World War II premise with a Japanese soldier and American soldier. Right. Um. Oh, what was the name? I, I don't think I had it in my notes. But anyway, it's sort of a, a story that's been told a few times. You're right. Yeah. I, I liked the uh, the storyteller voice at the end, too. Yeah. That was he's like, you know, all the stuff that they can't film because they cost too much. You know, <laughs> and then Jerry was blah, blah, blah. Yeah. <laughs> and breakfast cereals and orangutans. Skip a bit, brother. No, oh, I'm sorry. That's the holy hand grenade of Antioch. That's completely different. So. So there you go. That's the synopsis. Five is right out. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Five is right out. <laughs> Look at the bones. Don't get me started on this. Hey, Chris, knock it off. <laughs> Getting into Monty Python. We're going to be here for, oh, I'm sorry, Monty, um, what do they call it in England? They don't call it Monty Python. They call it Python. 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 Monty Python. Yeah, okay. Anyway, so there you go. That's the uh, synopsis of Enemy Mine. Dun, dun. Now, you have all sorts of really cool stuff for us uh, yeah. that I didn't know any of this stuff because uh, well, I've never done any yeah. research on it. So tell us a little bit about behind the scenes. While I was while that clip was playing, I actually looked up the movie. It was Hell in the Pacific uh, in 1968, and it starred Lee Marvin and Toshiro Mifune. And, oh, interesting. Uh, yeah, Toshiro Mifune, he's a big Japanese actor. He was in like The Seven Samurai, Hidden Fortress. He's very, very famous over there. So I've never seen that movie, but it sounds like it might be pretty cool. Sure. So that's where the original, well, the, the first time we saw that particular plot line. I, I think I read that Barry Longyear maybe based it on that sort of story, or at least used as an inspiration. Oh, it makes but, sense. Uh, <clears throat> but the uh, film, it's based on a 1979 novella uh, by Barry Longyear. It won the Hugo... And the Nebula Awards, so that's cool. It, I believe it was first published in like one of those sci-fi magazines that don't exist anymore. Right. Unfortunately. Yeah. Um, they started shooting it in uh, April of '84 with a guy named Richard Longcrane as a director, but after weeks of shooting in Iceland and Budapest, producers became concerned about a mixture of budget overruns, creative differences, and poor quality dailies. They stopped the filming. The studio had already spent $9 million in production costs. And they had pay-or-play contracts, which means that it doesn't matter whether you do the work or not. You're still getting money. Oh, interesting. So, yeah, so they, they act, that's a big part of the budget was actually these pay-or-play contracts. Mm -hmm. So they had to decide whether they were going to cut their losses or go with a new director. But they liked the story. They liked the actors. So they hired Wolfgang Peterson, who had just done you, um, you, you, Das Boot. <laughs> And he took over uh, as director, and Peterson did not like any of the work that was done, so he started all over again. Wow. Yeah, Can you imagine and, rebooting a movie like that? Yeah, Especially I mean, with I think, all the different I mean, things. I think they kind of were like, well, we put a lot of money into this thing. It's like it would be nothing if no movie came out. Yeah, so, that's true. And so, a lot, so a lot of the stuff was sets, even though they ended up filming a lot of the stuff outside. A lot of it was sets. Uh a lake, 
that that, that he was swimming in. That was uh, all man-made, wasn't it? Yeah, man-made lake. Um, Lou Gossett Jr.'s uh, makeup was redesigned. I guess the initial design they didn't like. I wonder. So I wish they had some pictures of that. I did not. I was looked for that. I couldn't find them. But yeah, I don't think there's even a Blu-ray. I don't think there's a Blu-ray of this movie. I mean, it, it could be cool to have some <laughs> some of this stuff kind of like. Oh, I'd love uh, to see what the makeup looked like before they changed it. Yeah, or maybe, maybe even was, some scenes you know that they got from the dailies that that they changed. That would have been really interesting. Yeah, so they originally wanted to spend about seventeen million, and the budget went to about twenty nine million. But in the wow. end, it was about forty. That's quite. <laughs> a, is, that's actually a lot for back then. It's a ton for back then. Yeah. Yeah. So they kind of had to. At this point, it became more of a money issue. They had to figure out how they were going to make their money back. <laughs> I mean, sci-fi was still very popular back then, so I'm sure they had hopes that it would hit. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So Lou Gossett Jr. said in a TV interview that he talked while gargling saliva as a kid. And it was just one of those kid things that kids do. Sure. And, you know, my kids do all kinds of weird stuff like yeah. that. <laughs> oh, man, I used to, you know, the, I do voiceover stuff now. And, you know, I did all, all my characters came from when I was a kid. You know, I do all sorts of voices. Yeah, I understand. Right. So he told um, told the director that he thought it would be a, a good touch for the character. So he did all of the vocalizations by himself. There wasn't any prosthetics. There wasn't any post-production effects put on his voice. He uh, he does the uh, drag voice at conventions when he shows up all the time. So Well, I, it was really unique because you don't hear that particular voice in any other movie. No, you don't really. It's pretty unique. And it says apparently uh, he kind of came up with it from scratch, and a lot of it was Russian pronounced in reverse. I mean, who's going <laughs> to... <laughs> I mean, <laughs> check on that and uh what yeah. yeah yeah exactly so i don't know any russian so when you watch the movie and you're like oh this is pretty i actually thought that i'm like oh they're putting some they're putting some pro tools on this you know what i yeah, mean but yeah. um but really were. no it, it's very it's all him which tells you again it could have been really cheesy but it wasn't it, they he did a great job yeah he could they could have had a babbling you know what i mean for yeah. it didn't really need to be something that was that unique. They could have just had him, you know, going snart, you know, or something. I wonder, you know, that makeup looked pretty intense. I wonder how much, how much it took to get him into that. And then, uh, oh, that must have been really uncomfortable. Yeah, because it was a lot. I mean, I guess once he was in more clothes, but there was that scene where it was basically a naked drag guy. Yeah. With a tail and everything. And that uh, I'm sure that been... was not fun. That was probably not a fun day for him. No, no. Ugh. But it turned out really cool looking because it didn't. It you know they did a better job on that particular makeup than than other things during that time period. And even you know like when we talked about Planet of the Apes, you know they they looked pretty darn good until you got to the feet. You know, and then the feet yeah. were like, what <laughs> they do? Feet. Yeah, we're gonna but, talk about the feet again. I yeah, hate yeah. Those stupid feet. But you look at you look at the Drac character, and I I I actually watched you know in, in HD watching for something to look and see if that costume was cheesy and you know what it was pretty seamless i mean yeah. it was pretty pretty convincing you know there wasn't like you know stretch marks or bunching up of the fabric or anything it was it looked real <laughs> yeah um not like I, the magato on star trek <laughs> or gorn <laughs> or the, the gorn with the big mesh eyes <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, look like microphones sitting yeah. in his eye socket. Yeah. It's like, what? Are you kidding? Yeah. I, I mean, thought, like, that's obviously part of Star Trek's charm. Yeah, but you, did you see what they did in the remastered version of that one? They got him. No, I don't think I've seen that one. Okay, you got to see it. You got to you look at it on iTunes. They have him blinking. They oh, made the... the Gorn blink, so his mesh eyes blink. Well, no that's kidding. Kinda... Yeah. I guess that's okay. I don't know. I don't know either. <clears throat> Some of that stuff is not necessary to change. It's already cheesy. Does making it blink make it <laughs> make it less, less... cheesy? No. No. I mean... no. For goodness sakes, he uses a uses a piece of bamboo. Some you know. Uh, some sulfur and some things that he finds sitting sitting out in the open yeah. for a, a gun. Okay, well, we're not we're talking about Star Trek. Sorry. I know, it's just I was going to say in Return of the Jedi, <laughs> the Blu-ray, they made the Ewoks blink. Yeah. And, I'm, yeah. and I'm like, oh, well, now that whole thing comes to life. Now it's not a teddy bear anymore. Now it actually blinks. So now it just yeah. feels completely alive. <laughs> oh, well, whatever. <laughs> uh, one of the possible uh. directors of this movie was Terry Gilliam. <laughs> um he turned it down and preferred he wanted to make his own project and that was going to be that was that movie Brazil which was a weird movie. I don't even remember that. Now what else has Terry done? I don't even know. Well, he's one of the Monty Python guys. He did all the animations and stuff. Oh, and uh he did 12 Monkeys. I did not was, realize that was him. Oh, that's very interesting. Yeah. 12 Monkeys which is a super trippy movie. I don't know if you ever seen 12 Monkeys. I have not. I've seen Monkeys at the Zoo but never 12 of them. No, 12 <laughs> It's a movie. I think it was around 96 or so. It's a sci-fi movie with Brad Pitt and oh. Brett, Bruce Willis and it's I I recommend it. It is Really? I'll have to check it out. And it has a twist at the end that I think is really cool. And it's just a weird movie and if you, and also he did the movie The Fisher King. He has a really weird style, like a very unique style, but he's very he's a quirky guy. If you've ever watched an interview with Terry Gilliam, yeah, he's a little bit out there. But he's, you know, very talented. Okay, now I'm going to have to check it out. What was the movie again? You said 12 Monkeys? 12 Monkeys. All right. Yeah. And also another guy that was going to direct the movie that they wanted was David Lynch, which, again, they were really looking at some weird dudes for this thing. I mean, David Lynch, you know, Twin Peaks, Dune, which I'll be talking about at the end of this month. Yeah, you're going to be back on Treks and Sci-Fi. Woohoo! That's right. And uh, some other movies. David Lynch is another guy. He has a very unique style, very weird. So it could have gone, like you say, it could have tipped one way or the other. And I think that Wolfgang Peterson kind of kept the movie on an even keel. I think he, they probably made a great choice with him. That's cool. Yeah. So the, uh, the pond where Davidge and Jerry meet for the first time, it's the same uh, custom pond that they built for the model submarine scenes of Das Boot, which is where they filmed... <laughs> actually models not yeah, cgi not cgi yeah and they put it in real water um as well as uh, one or two scenes from the never ending story which wolfgang peterson also directed never ending story so which they, is another they were probably sitting around in a staff meeting and somebody was saying how are we going to pull off this pond scene and he went <laughs> you know i remember using that one thing for this one thing and they went i wonder if that's still yeah let's go see if we still got that and they did I, you know, that's that's hilarious. Yeah. And the author, uh, Barry Longyear, he, uh, the Drax name uh, Jariba Shigan was meant to be a tribute to actor James Shigeta, who he would have liked to have seen play the Drax. Now, if you don't know who James Shigeta is, he is Mr. Takage from Die Hard. Interesting, um, interesting. Yeah, he's been in a ton of stuff. He's one of the 
uh, of his era, one of the best known Asian American actors uh, around. You see him, you'll see him in if everything from like this through the seventies through the uh, early nineties. If you look on his, uh, he's been in a million things, even up into the late nineties. Wow. And uh, one more thing, and a little, almost a blooper. But uh, in the scene where, where Davidge and Jerry are arguing about the philosophers, <laughs> and Jerry calls Mickey Mouse a big dope, uh, Davidge walks away from Jerry with a noticeable smirk, making a snorting noise consistent with trying to stifle laughter. This, this is actually the only time where Quaid didn't burst out laughing <laughs> after the Mickey Mouse line, and his reaction was kept in order to make it clear that the scene is intended to be comedic and bantering, even though that they're having kind of a hostile argument. It's still kind of like a comedic scene. So. <laughs> that is hilarious. Yeah, so one of those one of those things where, you know, I I I, I can't imagine that you could do that without laughing. Oh, I, mean. I know, I know. And and of course, you know, the audience we we enjoyed it, but can you imagine doing that over and over and over and over? It, it'd probably get funnier as you went. Yeah, as, as anything, if you've ever been in a play or anything like that. Which I have been in a couple, not many, but when you get the giggles, yep, it's pretty much the end because it'll never stop. And yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I, when you have rehearsals and you laugh, and then getting up in front of people and then remembering what made you laugh, it's the worst thing that could ever happen to you. Yeah. If you're in front of a group of people, start laughing. And I believe the last play I did, the last play I did was was a was a Chekhov play. It was it was sort of a dark comedy, and it, I was not funny. playing a character who would laugh. But I did. We did have a little mess up in rehearsal, which made me laugh almost every time I did the line. Oh, so that's hilarious. That's yeah. awesome. And the budget of this movie, like we said earlier, was forty million clams. Wow. And the box office gross was only twelve point three million, uh, which is a that's a crazy wow. loss. So they they lost their shorts in this one, huh? Yeah, they sure did. And uh, I wonder if it ever. It probably never made up for it. Even after, no. I mean, I don't know what it, you know. What I mean, I'm not sure what kind of deals they get for it. I mean, all I know is it was on HBO yeah. all the time. Yeah. <laughs> so they, they bought the rights. Hey, I'll give you this for five bucks. Okay, right. I'll so take I'm not it. Sure what HBO paid for these? I know that, that, that there's some a fee that they pay these studios, and I'm yeah. sure that that they are trying to recoup it. So they probably, I think they gave it to HBO fairly early on. Yeah, because um, yeah. it was on all the time. It's one of those movies that was on HBO all, like *Romancing all the Stone*, the time. all yes. the time. Yes, 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 yes. I so, yeah, and the, and another in the, in and the, the final shining. Little... They had the Shining on all the time. They did. Yeah. And the the last a little uh, Star Trek connection uh, to this movie is uh, in the second season of *Enterprise*. There's an episode named *Dawn*, and it's a similar uh, premise as Tucker crashes in a shuttle pod. And he's attacked when he's doing some tests, and the, an alien attacks him, and they end up crashing on the planet together. And at the end, they do work together, even though uh, they've tried to kill each other a couple times. And uh, becomes sort of a diplomatic uh, victory for the Earth people. So, yeah. well, you know, they also did that in Next Generation. Remember when? Um, remember when the the away team was down on the planet with the electrical storm, and Jordy got stuck down there. And the, oh, the, right, the Romulan right. was there too, and they, the Romulan held him hostage and tried to kill him and all that stuff. And then finally, they worked together and yeah. modified the beacon. I believe that was called the enemy. Actually. It was called the enemy. Yes, it was. And yeah. so, yeah, it's not like the plot hasn't been used a few times. But I, what I got a kick out of in Enterprise was the fact that the alien even kind of looked like a drag. 
Right. It was. A, I think it was a kind of a, 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 a intentional homage. Yeah. I think because it is very similar. Very very cool. Well, this was definitely. I thought it was a decent movie. Now let's talk a little bit about some of the things that we thought were kind of cheesy in the movie or things okay. that didn't really line up. What What are some of the things that you noticed? That you kind of went, huh? I don't know about that. Um, the Roomba turtles. <laughs> I didn't think they were. Uh, uh, I didn't buy them when I was a kid, and I sure as hell don't buy them now. They are <laughs> not a very good effect. The, the The tentacle is a good effect as a tentacle. <laughs> yeah. But when it comes, when the monster face comes through their 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 little shelter, it's kind of cheesy. Yeah, that was kind of different, and the. Um... The uh, blue blood that sprayed all over was interesting. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's like, what? <laughs> I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> but yeah. I, I mean, the, um, yeah, as far as cheesy goes, I mean, like, because it's, it is, it's an, of the time, but I mean, this, the most of the movie is fairly tight because it's, it's, it kind of focuses on the relationship between the two uh, characters and then the, the guy and the kid. So, I, I didn't find anything that was like overly cheesy, other than the like obvious things, like oh, you know, one, you know, one of the Earth ships gets blown up, so now, now it's serious. You know? Yeah. Now yeah. I'm going. Now we're really fighting. Before we were just playing, but but now you blew up my friend. Now I'm gonna get you. Yeah, and and now I don't care at all for the person that's in the ship with me. That right, I'm just gonna yeah. dive into this unknown planet's atmosphere and uh, forsake all else. Into the, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and uh, I, just a couple of things that I was uh, when I was watching, and I did scribble a couple of things down. Um, the, the the ship design, the the drag ships, they're sure of a heck of a lot remind me of Cylon Raiders from. They sure do. The original Galactic, I mean, so similar. Yeah. And also the human ships look almost like Vipers. So they do, and they they had a little bit of the Buck Rogers old serial in them too. Yeah, I, I mean, they look a lot like planes. Yeah. Yeah, you know. yeah, yeah, but I mean they're cool. I'd lo- listen. I'd I'd build a model of that ship. Sure, it's a sure. ship. You know, at 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 times though, you almost expected to see the fishing line. <laughs> you know, just a little bit. I mean, because they weren't like, they weren't like Star Wars models. Let's put it that way. They were cool, but right. they weren't. They weren't. Mm, there was like I don't know. There, it wasn't as detailed. I thought. As some of the stuff that we had, you know, that we had seen. So no, and I mean, again, you know, I don't go as far as effects like that. I don't really go too far into them because we can do nowadays. We can do anything, but you know, you look at there's some matte lines around the ships and stuff that you sure, can see. But sure. you know, that's just that's how they did effects back then. Hey, and, one thing they had going for them though is they did explosions very well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even on the planet, that was pretty cool. You know. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think explosions back then were better because they had to do real explosions and yeah. they had to film them slow. Yeah, and they were real. You know, nowadays, I mean, they do really cool CGI explosions and everything. Sure. But I don't know. It, it still, even to this day, I think a real model always looks cooler. Cool. It just looks. It just has some kind of a, a weight to it, like a, yeah. like it's real. Like I think the last movie, like space movie, I can think of that was like where they use real models for most of it was uh, Starship Troopers, and those ships were really those models were massive, twelve feet long for yeah, the uh, yeah. the cruisers, and uh, I love real models. I think that there's it's just a, there's some craftsmanship that goes into it, and those guys really put some nice detail, which kind of sell it as a big ship. Yeah. 
Yeah. They do. You know, I've been um, really enjoying ever since Brian, the you know, from the forum, um, got his Klingon uh, Catan um, model. Oh, the, yeah, yeah, that's a cool, man. That is such a cool model. Oh, my gosh. And the guy that's doing it is named Steve. Uh, what's his last name? Oh, I'm so sorry. I, you know, I should look it up real quick because I actually subscribed to his YouTube, cha YouTube channel. Yeah. And I've been watching him create all these ships and i mean some stuff from from schematics and drawings and he builds the models and it's just it's an awesome show so if you if you're on the forum go over to the to the part where uh, brian was talking about his uh his klingon ship that was built for him and and check out steve's blog uh, video blog because he puts out a, a, a probably a daily video and it's fascinating if you like models ships space science fiction this guy has been he's worked on the actual movie star trek movies and he and his dog in his garage create all these amazing models and they do work for <laughs> studios and everything else it's yeah. it's a really cool show and i've just come to really enjoy watching his show every day it's really good so if you like yeah. models check him out i do and i i i'm very jealous of that model i but you know, I got four oh, kids, man. I can't I go buy know, models. I know. I, <laughs> I was thinking, man, because you know, and do you know that the guy that built it for him actually had to uh, up his price after he did Brian's because he realized it took too much. Right. So, it was like, a, the, a, yeah. I mean, it's a lot of work, and the the lights and the stand, which oh, I mean, it's, it's just awesome. such a beautiful. It's a beautiful, beautifully done model. It is. I can't say enough about it. I would just sit in my front room with the lights off and look at it. All lit yeah. up like that. I would do I've that. never been able to do a lit, a, a lit model uh, that well. No, uh, me either. You I've know, because it takes a lot of patience to do the wiring. I haven't, to get the... I haven't done a model since I was a kid. So I had a Viper, and I, I, I want to get a Viper again. I, I That was my favorite spaceship. Yeah, so, that was, you've seen the, some of the ones I've done. I did that yes. Viper. I did the X-Wing. I've yep. done those... Uh, Apes ones recently. I'm looking. I'm, I'm I'm about due to do another one. Yeah, coolness. Yeah, I I would love to get the Battlestar Galactica, um, old school stuff, the Cylon Raider and the. I had them at one time, but yeah, they reissued them. So I mean, I think you can still get them for pretty cheap. I think uh, the uh, the um, Viper was about twenty bucks. It wasn't no, that much. It might have been a lot less. It might have been fifteen. Oh my goodness. Yeah, it was very reasonable. I might have to look into that. Okay, um, back to the movie. <laughs> Sorry. Wow, we really went off. We were off right topic. off track there. <clears throat> Let me see. Um, any other things that you saw in there that was was kind of different? Because I've got a couple of things that. Uh no, you go ahead. I mean. <clears throat> well, I thought that again. I thought that the. Oh, sorry, there's my email again. I thought that the the special effects were pretty well done for the most part. And mm -hmm. there was only a few times when you got to thinking, is there going to be a fishing line on this particular, you know, model here in a minute? But I thought they did a pretty, pretty good job on everything, and the makeup was good. I thought it was a little bit stretching it to make, um, you know, Dennis Quaid look like a hippie. <laughs> you know, it was like, well, whatever. But I guess they pulled it off, and, and it I think was, they were just right. trying to probably give us a sense of. Uh, passage of time well they anything. did the same thing with tom hanks on castaway so i guess you know they're, they're okay yeah but um other than that i thought it held up pretty well but then again every once in a while i would stop and think man this borders on the on the it just borders on the edge of being kind of goofy and, yeah and i don't know why but that just kind of struck me a couple of times it's like oh wait oh no okay i'm all right <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's, it's certain i mean it's not 
I think I'm, I wouldn't call it a B movie. Maybe it is because I have flowery memories of it from being a kid. But maybe people consider it to be like one of those B sci-fi movies. I mean, but I think if for if that's what you consider it, it's certainly very well done. Yes, compared to something like Runaway. Oh yeah. From like the eighties with those yeah. robot yeah. Uh, spiders or something. I think it's it's very well done. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so so out of you know out of five stars, I would give the movie a, a solid. Three and a half, yeah, maybe four. A- you know, I mean, because that's that's how much I enjoyed it, and I still I enjoyed it a lot just watching it recently again. It was, it was a cool movie, and I love the premise of it, the special effects, the the science fiction elements to it. It was just, it was pretty cool. So I, yeah, I again, this, like I said, this is the first time I'd watched it in a long time, and I I, I didn't I wasn't uh, bugged by any of it. I, I I I watched it. I enjoyed the heck out of it again. Cool. How many stars would you give it? I think I'm right with you. I think three and a half, you know, because I mean, five is, you know, Godfather and Star Wilson. Wars. Yeah. Yeah. And Star I mean, you know. Not the dialogue, think... but just the movie. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Don't go there. I'm not going to go there. But yeah, okay, good. All right, excellent. So that's that's our wrap then on uh, the, the amazing movie, Enemy Mine, uh, back from 1985. And uh, we highly recommend you. Uh, you can rent it on uh, iTunes. I did for two ninety nine and watched That's it reasonable. on my Apple TV. Yes, reasonable. And I I know you can find it in the discount bin now for five bucks at Walmart. I got a two pack <gasps> from from Amazon, and it was only like seven oh. bucks. <laughs> and um, it came with Alien uh, Alien Nation, which I, another movie I haven't watched in forever. Oh, so. very cool. Yeah, our friend Kenny has a uh, a podcast he does with his brother. Uh, the Alien Nation podcast. Yeah, it's yeah, that's good. A, that was a great show. Yeah, it was a great show. I enjoyed that too. Cool makeup again. See, go figure. <laughs> so you got that? You got it off of Amazon. I got mine off of uh, off of uh, Apple TV or iTunes. Yeah. And then I know you can you can look through the discount bins. You'll find it. Like I found the Last Starfighter on Blu-ray for like ten or fifteen bucks. Oh, it's so re- and it's such a good price because it comes with the DVD too. Yeah, so. it came with the DVD as well, which was and great behind the scenes stuff and Oh very good. Yeah. It was very cool. So thanks everybody for joining us. Um I don't know what when we'll be back now that you have uh, the ability to do your own podcast and you might just take <laughs> off and, and start running with some uh some new shows. I don't know. <laughs> well we'll see we'll see how this next one goes if I totally uh Fubar it up, then I'll, I'll come crawling back to you. I promise. <laughs> well, I'm sure we're. I'm sure we'll do something uh, soon. Thanks, you know, Rico lets us all do this, and we're all sort of like playing uh, uh, Joan Rivers or Jay Leno to his '80s Johnny Carson. You I know. know, and it's 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 you know, I really appreciate Rico and the community that he's developed at uh, Trex and Sci-Fi. Really, it's a bunch of really cool friends from all over the world. And if you haven't joined the forum, if you're listening to this and you haven't joined the forum, we really encourage you to join. It's a lot of fun. You get to meet some really cool people and have some great conversations. And the the cool part is you can geek out and nobody makes fun of you. They enjoy geeking out with you. And there's just so many great things going on at the forum. And you come on over there and and join us. It's it's a lot of fun. You just go to treksinsci-fi.com. And you can sign don't forget, yeah. Don't forget the Facebook page, which is going strong. Yeah, it's going really good. How I mean, how many are really well? We I don't can't remember how many people we have on it now, but a lot. Well, I know it's it was over a hundred last week, 
and uh, people are I know people are posting in it all the time because I get those notifications yeah, me, me so too. It's, me I see too. different I see new names let me see if I can see does it tell you yeah we got 114 members that's awesome and I think that's a really it's a cool thing I, I like going to the forum you know myself I enjoy the forum sure uh, but I mean I think the Facebook group is a great thing and we and if uh you know, if people on Facebook who are friends of yours haven't, you know, listened to the show, you can kind of say, "Hey, here's our group, and here's our show, and here's Rico's show, and take a listen to it." Because I mean, it's uh, it's one of the I think it's got to be longest running Star Trek uh, sci-fi one out there. One of them, anyway. I think so. It's gonna go gonna, coming up on 400. Yeah, it's coming up soon. That's really really cool. Well, yep. thank you everybody. I'm Rick Moyer, and I'm Chris Clementi. Saying. Uh, Live long and prosper, and thanks for joining us for the review of Enemy Mine right here on Treks in Sci-Fi. Do you love music? Have you found yourself saying this? You know, popular music just doesn't have enough Star Trek or sci-fi references. Ain't got no Kirk, ain't got no Spock, just some Romulans to fight. Because we're TNG on Saturday night. Well, you're in good company, and you're in luck, because now you can have your great music and geeky references by simply going to StarTrekParodies.com. Yep, that's right. I was tired of waiting around for my favorite artists to write Star Trek songs, so I borrowed their music and I made it myself, and now you can enjoy it for free. Check out hits like Another One Becomes Us. Another One Becomes Us. Another one becomes us, and another one droned, another one droned, another one becomes us. Or, life is just a holodeck. Can't you see what this holodeck is doing to me? Life is just a fantasy, can you live this holodeck life? Ship in a bottle, and humans playing Dom Jean. Humans playing Dom Jean. Just some humans playing Dom Humans playing dumb John, the Mexican way. So suffer no longer, my geeky friends. There's finally a place for us on the internet. It's called StarTrekParodies.com. It's free, it's fun, and more importantly, you can geek out and have a great time. So beam on over to StarTrekParodies.com. I'm Rick Moyer, and I invite you personally to come jam with me. Live long and prosper. We will, we will spark you. You've been listening to Trek For more information, visit TreksInSciFi.com Write to Rico today at TrekSF at gmail.com That's TrekSF at Set a course for Earth. Maximum warp. Copyright 2011. All rights reserved. I'm Captain Kirk. Tricks in sci-fi. That is before you spray something. Your weekly dose of kinky goodness. And energy news. This mission would have failed without your help. I won't be speaking. To boldly podcast where no one has podcasted before. Captain Abbasi is yet 
Not with you. We're not done with the Cardassians yet. Not with the strategic importance of that world. Thanks for joining us for Treks in Sci-Fi. Treks in Sci-Fi.